so as we enter into a new season, as we uh, start off on this homecoming Sunday, which we just made this up this year, this idea of like having a day that kind of marks the beginning of a new season, what, what I want to do is, is sort of pause our teaching series that we just started last week. <laughs> just, for, just for a moment. It'll relate in all sorts of ways. But we wanted to pause it for this week because we, we wanted to zero in and be reminded a, a little bit again of, of how important it is to, to come together, of how important it is that the culture of our hearts is healthy so the culture of our church can be healthy, so the culture uh, of those that we get to touch in our city and in our region are healthy and overflowing with love. If you would, would you turn with me to Hebrews 10? Hebrews 10. I'm gonna, we're going to look at Hebrews 10, 23 to, um, to 25. If you're brand new to the Bible, um, we every single week take a moment and we open the scriptures. There's something powerful about this collection of stories and songs and doubts and accounts and letters. People in the Christian tradition uh, that I'm, we're a part of here, we said this has authority there's an authority to it because this God has ultimate authority and these are the stories and accounts of God moving through people throughout history. But even if you're new, even if you have major questions, even if you've seen the Bible taken out of context and used to abuse people or you've seen it twisted or you've seen it read in, in ways that don't sort of make sense to what you kind of know in your heart is the way of Jesus, uh, but, but still you had issues wrestling with that, um, I just encourage you to be open this morning, to have an open heart and an open mind. And that at the very least, just as a piece of literature, You'd be uh, open to what there might be for us here in the 21st century. Here's the passage. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Everybody, everyone doing all right? You're doing good? All right. For he who promised is faithful. So this is a writer. We're not exactly sure of the author. And the, the writer is writing to a community, very likely a strong Jewish community that is uh, becoming a, a community of Jesus followers. This is a community, an outpost of heaven. This is post-resurrection. They believe that their teacher, who is the son of God, is risen from the dead, and that there's something happening in the world, and they're gathering together to be this faithful community that is bearing witness, that is demonstrating and announcing this, this understanding that they have that Jesus is king. They're announcing good grace to the world. They're saying, no, 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 Caesar isn't Lord. No, Jesus is they're saying, no, 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 it's, it's not about the U.S. of A. or of any other nation. No, no, it's about the kingdom of God. And we want to be a people that are bearing witness to a whole new world breaking forth in the midst of this one. And so this is, they're trying to wrestle through what it means to be a community and what it means in this passage here, what it means to trust that they are loved, what it means to trust that they are forgiven, what it means to trust that God is with them. Anybody here ever struggled with or know somebody who struggled with that? Trusting that, no, 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 that shame, that thing you did, it doesn't need to mark the rest of your life. Like anyone ever struggled with feeling like, I don't know if I could ever move past that and not let that just cloud everything in my future. 
No, 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 you don't know what I've done or what I'm about. I don't think if there is a God up there, he would want anything to do with me. I continue to hear the line when I'm interacting with people and I tell people what I do. They go, oh man, that's cool that you do that church thing. I could never go to church. Why? Oh, you don't know what I've done. I'm like, people still saying that? Why would I even bother? I can be all right. I can be a halfway decent person without any of this. No, 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 it's deeper than that. This is what these people... This writer is trying to help these people own this and name this. And so it comes to a sort of apex. This in the, in the text here in Hebrews 10 is a shift. And the writer says, hey, so in light of all of that, those reminders of who you are, of this new covenant, of how God's moving now in the world, of what it means to be human, let us hold unswervingly. I love that word. Say unswervingly. And say swerve. To the hope we profess. Like, let's hold on to this, this hope, this rooted reality that no matter what comes, God's got this. For he who promised is faithful. Right? This, this, this um, is one of those texts we talked about, Martin Luther King's famous uh, speech where he just goes, uh, how long? How long injustice? How long persecution? And he just repeats back, not long. God's making all things new, not long. Even if it's not in my lifetime, I can have a hope that I know that all is going to be put back together. He is promised and faithful. How long? You say, not long. He says, for he who promised is faithful. And so here's the text that we're gonna get into. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Anybody uh, grow up with really strong family culture? Anyone grow up in a place where like you knew that if someone came into family dinner, like very quickly they were gonna get like, like they either had to run or they were gonna get sucked up into the energy of that family dinner. Anyone have that? Whether it was like healthy family dinner, healthy family culture or unhealthy family culture. You were like, you were destined to like Sit there. Anyone ever gone to someone's family dinner and you're like ready to talk and everyone's just like. Right? And you ever been at a family dinner where all of a sudden it is so loud? Like everyone's happy, but everyone's like yelling across the table at one another and like dishes are flying by you and you're not sure what's going on. Anyone have like strong like household, almost like a physical culture? Like you know that when you go back home, not only do you feel like you know, for those of you who who's, maybe you still, your parents still live in the house you grew up in, or uh, if you're in college, maybe they haven't totally, like, gotten rid of your room yet. Um, anyone else that was, like, heartbreaking? You've, like, had a room in this house your whole life, and you know it's not yours, but you come home, and then all of a sudden, all those posters that are on the wall are gone. Right? <laughs> like, that day that just, I don't know what it was, new kids on the block came down. New kids on the block. I never had a New Kids on the Block poster, don't judge me. Anyone have, <laughs> I didn't. I did memorize one of their dance moves, which was this, it was this. That was it. And then it was the sync one, the, no, I'm gonna stop, okay. <laughs> I don't want you all to stumble, you know, my sweet dance moves. Okay, so. <laughs> Anyone had friends who were like, oh my gosh, I just want to come over your house? 
They want to come over to your house because there's something about your family culture. I have these friends, and there's something about their living room. Now, I love these people, and so there's that. It always feels safe. It's a safe place to talk. I don't know what it is about the design. It's like a humble-sized living room. But you walk in, and the carpet has, like, it's, like, fluffy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's got, like, the string, like, the little, what kind of rug is that? Shag? It's like a nice, it's not like shag like I think of like Austin Powers shag. It's like a, I don't know, whatever that is. It's, and it's all like neutral. Everything's desaturated, which just is for me. Like, I don't know why that's the thing. But there's like the couch and there's blankets everywhere and big pillows and the chairs are cozy. And everything just, I, all I want to do when I go into their house, and I do know them well enough to do this, but I just want to lay down on the floor. It's like my first move. Like if we're like going over, we're going to watch a movie, or we're just going to talk, we're going to hang out, or it's someone's birthday, you will find me very quickly just on the floor. There's something about a strong family culture where it does something to you, or a strong like space when you walk into it, you get sucked up into it. Now there are some strong family, tribal, whatever it is, cultures that exist for themselves, and then there are others that exist for others. There are others that it's because they're so strong and because there's a way they roll and because there's a way in which they think about like what it means to be a living room, a household, a dinner, however it's developed, it's because it's so strong, because it's so like insider, because it's distinct and unique to that place and you have to learn it. It's because it's so strong, if it's healthy strong, it will be a gift to everybody outside it. When it's, when it's rooted and good, then it's actually not overly, um, overly anxious or preoccupied with how everyone's going to think when they come in. I have a bad habit when I host. Now, I like to think our house is a nice, warm place. But I'm always like, I want to make, make sure everything's in its right place. You got everything you need. 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 And I will just kind of run around and... You should clean up and put things in their right place and all this. And I've recognized that I've got to dial that back a little bit because when that's seen, it actually produces all sorts of like slight anxiety in everybody else. Like, can I put that wine there? And I'm like, no, 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 just be, be, be super welcome. This is great, cozy home, go. Just, just let me, one more. Because I'm a little bit preoccupied with how they're thinking versus just doing what we do in our family well which is host people and love people and let people feel welcome. And I don't care that there's like a diaper on the floor. <laughs> let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. So this is the context. But then let us consider how we may spur one another on or stir one another up toward love and good deeds. Let's not give up being in the habit of meeting together. I want to give you, a, just walk through this passage for a moment. And my hope is that it will help us Make sense. Maybe just encourage us a little bit toward being and embodying the sort of culture. To being the sort of family with such strong insider, insider vibe <laughs> that would actually be a gift to outsiders. It'd be a gift to those not in this room. So first off, we're just gonna walk through this text. You with me? Bible study time. And let us consider... Consider is about thinking carefully. In the Greek, it has this idea of fixing one's eyes or mind upon. One writer says, we have a mandate to take a lively interest in those in the Christian community around you. Consider. Remember that you are loved, saved by grace now. 
he shifts, the writer shifts and goes, all right, let us then, in light of who we are, in light of who God says we are, loved, redeemed, free, and ready to invite people into the life of God, let us then consider how we might, and then we'll get to the rest in a moment. I wanted to stop on the word consider because I think this is half the battle. And whether or not you're thinking through the lens of our church community or just your own life, how many of you know when you stop and consider your spouse on the way home and what they might like and what sort of chocolate or ice cream you might buy that spouse on your way home, how, do you, how much do you know that will bless your own life? Come on, where my husband's at. How much do you know when you're thinking about your friend and you're going to their, you've, you've like stopped and considered what to buy them as a birthday gift versus just like, ah, oh, here's the candle store. I got a candle and a card. Nothing against candles. Here's a bag of, here's a bag of coffee. When you stop and consider, my, um, my five-year-old, almost six-year-old, wow, is going to kin, just started kindergarten this year. And we had the idea of um, why don't we ask some of the uh, older female voices in her life? So some of them are like moms of like some of her good friends. Some of them are, are just folks in our community we've been walking with for a long time, family members. Ask some of the women to just send us on video a, just a quick 30-second, hey, will you give her just a word of wisdom for her first day of kindergarten? Maybe tell, tell a little story, and then would you just say a prayer for them? So I've got like 15 of these on my phone. And so we're laying in bed. I like I'm up on her bunk and it's the night before. And I'm like, hey, we have a little gift for you. And we, we kind of rolled them out. We didn't show all 15 at once, but over the course of the week. And so we, we, we went through like five of them. And Harper's just super excited to see her auntie on the screen or to see Miss Sia on the screen. And like she's going through all these and playing as they're giving these words and advice. And of course, she's just sort of like, this is cool. Right? Because she's five. And Corey and I, can you imagine what we're doing? Oh, you're a mess. <laughs> like, she's just sitting up there holding the phone like, oh, that's so nice. And, my, and Corey and I are like, my wife and I are just on either side of her just like, <laughs> I can't believe this. Like, it's all real now. My point is, is that was because Corey and I stopped long enough to consider, to pay attention. Hey, think on and for us, it was think on how we can prepare our daughter. Think on how we might be able to bless her. Think about how we might be able to mark this moment. Considering, if you're taking notes, is about stopping and seeing. So as we go through this text, consider is about stopping and seeing. It moves on here to spur on. Consider how you might spur on or stir up the people around you toward loving good deeds. We're talking about building family culture here. The word in the Greek here is, uh, that's used is only used one other place in the scripture. It's actually used in Acts 15, 39. And it's in a disagreement between Barnabas and Paul. It says there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed anyone away to Cyprus. I was looking up the way this word is used. So often this word, spur on, or in the ESV, stir up, is actually a negative word, which I love. You got, anybody got a friend who just stirs up trouble? Right? You got a friend, you're like, you're around them, like, I know you're gonna do something dumb when we're in public. You are gonna be the one that gets us somehow into a fight. I had a friend like this in high school. It was just like, 
If, you, if it was like past a certain hour and the sun was down at a certain level, it's just like, I'm not walking near you, Eric, at all. Like there's something's gonna happen. Right, they had a propensity to stir up trouble. I love this because the writer here in Hebrews is using this in a positive way. He's like, you better stir up some love. Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop being together. Commit and jump in so that you can like stir up some trouble. Stir up some love. Spur one another on. Some people stir up trouble. Other people stir up love and good deeds. Are we gonna be a community that stirs up love? Next, good good works. I'm gonna spend a little time on this. Ergon agatha. This is the language here in the Greek. And this is the writer's, is right, is um, talking about this Hebrew word here, which is the mitzvah, which are like the good deeds. This phrase good deeds comes up multiple times in scripture. And so this idea is rooted in the Jewishness of the writer of this movement. And this idea basically is these are the acts, the commands that we've been given from God. And one Jewish writer says in the Mishnah, it's like this is how we repair the world. By doing the good things that God has invited us to do, this is how we put the world back together. As New Testament Christians, New Covenant Christians, we would say this is what, how we get to join God in renewing the world. These were commands given to God. Keep doing these good things. This is how we thrive. This is how we live our best life. This is how we walk in faith. We do these good works. And throughout scripture, Ending in this passage here in Hebrews, we are being invited to acts of justice and beauty and goodness. It says in Ephesians 2 that we've been saved by grace. We've been saved by grace. We're God's workmanship. We're God's poetry. We've been saved by grace in order to do mitzvah, in order to do the good works, in order to be a force in the world that lines up with the things of Jesus. This is why you were rescued, why you were saved. Matthew 8, 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that they might see however much you stumble through it, however much you need to ask forgiveness and grace, however much you feel like you fail, that they might see you leaning into the commands of God which are about loving and blessing and serving and being a set apart people. God is love and as many times as we're told God is love, God is holy and set apart and we are told God is looking for a set apart people, a set apart culture, a set apart tribe and they're set apart in one way by the things that they do. You following me? Those people, that family is set apart because they do things differently and they're marked by something. Followers of Jesus, we are supposed to roll differently. We are the peacemakers in the world, which is why we rightfully get upset when we see people doing things in the name of Jesus that have nothing to do with being a peacemaker, when we are called directly in Scripture to be peacemaking. When we see things in others not loving their enemy but scorning and shaming them, we don't shame back, we forgive, but we go, no, 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 no. It's not about judgment. You're just like you're not, like we have a way we roll and you're not rolling that way. I told you before, in our family, we wear cons. 
And so when I see like Nikes go on, I have questions. We wear Converse in our family. No, 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 that's not how we roll. Just kidding, mostly. No, no, no. We have to be aware that being set apart, having a distinct family culture, saying we want to be marked out by these good works, these good deeds that we are called, these commands. It's, a, it, it's about creating. Let's be really clear. And I need you to stay with me so you don't take what I'm about to say out of context. It is about creating us and them. It is. But it's us for them. There is an us and them. There is a clear divide, holy, set apart, different, but for the sake of everybody else. A creative minority, not a destructive minority. Blessed to be a blessing, not blessed to go, look how blessed we are. That's why if you have a family culture that's really preoccupied with how's everyone doing, how's everyone doing, it won't have the same power of walking into a dinner table where like you've got you, you to get in line, but what you've got to get in line with is like love, hospitality, fun, life, rest. It might take a moment, but you'll be able to get in line with that. In the same way, the people out there, whatever that is, will see your good deeds and they will glorify your Father in heaven. One more passage, First Peter. You have this letter that's written to a group of people who are basically being blamed for lighting a bunch of, lighting these fires in Rome. Half of Rome is burning. There's all sorts of like conjecture about what's really happening. But Nero is the emperor. Nero is where we get the idea, by the way, of like 666. No, this isn't like a horror movie thing. Like this is the Hebrew pneumonology around like just how, ah, I'm gonna go into a long diatribe. I'm not gonna do that. Nero. He was the one who was basically um, described as like he, he was the, the antichrist in some way. And so looking for someone, they're looking for someone to blame. They blame these Christians. And it's in this setting that this small group, it'd be like Mara Lorza all of a sudden being like, you know why all this crime and destruction is going on here? It's because of, of those Christians over there on Hayes Street. He's blaming this chaos happening in the world and blaming these first people. And the invitation as, as they are being accused of things we read here. Dear friends, so this is someone writing to this little church here under Nero. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Live such good lives that the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, would see your mitzvah, would see your good deeds, would see how you are distinct. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war. Don't get caught up in the culture. Don't try to go that way. Don't hide from it. Just keep blessing them. And as they accuse you and as they come at you, love them more. Love anyway. Keep going. These are the invitations to these people. So then the writer continues. We're back in Hebrews. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't give up meeting together. Spur one another to love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together. These things come together. In the ESV, it says not neglecting to meet together. There is the failure of some people here that, um, to continue being together. They're going to church and they're staying connected to the family. Like the, the reason why we do this is put in a brutal light. Like, it, a really brutal, this idea of neglecting. 
basically has this idea of abandonment and desertion with it. It's not like, um, don't get into the habit of doing this like because you know, it's really good for you personally to like, show up to church. It's really good for you to just come you know, just every once in a while and like, it's good for you because it'll be good for your soul. In this, I think all those things are true, by the way. But in this passage, what's actually being said here is like, if you don't, if you don't continue to gather together, to be involved and to be a part and to be locked in with community, it's just not that it's not good, it's that it's abandonment and it's des- you're, you're deserting your people. In other words, it's not on, it's not about don't give up meeting together because it's not good for you. It's don't give up meeting together because it's not good for the person sitting next to you. You with me? We need you. We need you. We need you to, to, to bring the love that you have. We need you to spur the other person on next to you. We need you. We need you to show up on time and to worship with us. Because there's something about when you're around folks that are giving up, giving their hearts to the Lord. We, we need you to make sure you're gathering together and going deeper in community. We, we need you. Pause for a moment what you need, just for a second. Because, because them needing you, you probably need them. Don't abandon. Don't give up meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't abandon. Don't desert one another. So this all begs the question then, what are we in the habit of doing? Habits shape what we love. They shape what we're invested in. So are we people who are developing life-giving habits? Don't get into the habit of not showing up because we need you to stir up love and good deeds. We need you to be people of faith and hope and love, which are these things that come up again and again in this letter in Hebrews. You can have faith, look, on your own. You can have faith in your closet. You can have faith in the car. You can have hope on your own. But what can't you do on your own? Love. You can't love. He says, come together to spur one another on in love. If our God is love, it's really, and he says that the way in which you know me and walk with me is that you would love your neighbor. It's really hard to grow in love, to be more like God, to be more alive, to be more refreshed when you're not actually with other people practicing the very character of our God. You can't. You cannot learn how to love on your own. There are all sorts of great practices out there that are like feign community. A book club. Yoga. But they will not be places where you actually go to a deeper place of learning how to love. Because you can just sign up for another yoga class or another book club. And in the church, though people treat it like those things, in the church you stuck. You're stuck. No one treats it like that. But we should. Maybe stuck is the wrong word. We're committed. But because we have clarity on the kind of family we want to be about, 
We want to be a people who've gone through it. You ever been with a couple or you ever been with a family who you know they've gone through some trouble and come out the other side? There's a richness. There's a strength. There's a fortitude. There's a courage. And there's a greater love and hospitality and a greater grace on those that don't have it all together and have messed it up because they've been through it. Well, if we just jump every single time things get hard, my goodness. Now, there's a time, too, and there's all the prefaces that I hope I don't need to say. There are things that are destructive, and there are environments that are bad, and sometimes you got to have some sense. But what I'm talking about and getting to, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, is recognizing the power of what it is to be people who don't forsake, don't develop habits that lead you away from people, but habits that lead you towards them. And we have more temptation than ever to develop habits that lead us away from people, to isolate us from people instead of helping us move toward them because people are messy and it's hard. I am here to tell you if you are brand new to life that it's hard and it's easier to have surface things and it's easier to just keep the kids at home that day and it's easier just to fill in the blank. But those habits are actually shaping what you love they are shaping you. It's not just a choice. It actually is coming back at you. Everything we know about the power of habit. Read that book, by the way. It's an amazing book. We know this. It shapes actually who we love and how we think about the world. So don't give up in the habit. Don't get into the habit of not being in it with each other. You can't grow in love if you don't show up. You can't grow in love if you don't show up. If love is to permeate the culture of this family, we gotta make a habit of being in an environment where actual love is possible. Habits shape culture, and culture is formed by what you create and what you neglect. Let me say that again. Culture is formed by what you create and what you neglect. The habits that you embody, the habits you do, and the habits you don't do. And so don't think that it's only by what you do that shapes who you're becoming. No, no, what you choose to neglect will do the same. And if we are neglecting people and neglecting to be honest and neglecting to be transparent and neglecting to stick it out or just neglecting to carve out at least an hour and a half every Sunday to be together with some people and step in, I mean, it, it, will, it, will, it will affect you. But then he says encouraging one another as the day approaches. To spur one another on to love and good deeds and to encourage one another. It literally means to put courage into somebody else. To lift them, to fill them with faith. We need you. And it's not just church programming that does this. This is what I love about the church. My wife has a group of, small group of friends that just, just are, they roll deep. Just a few friends, very small little group. She's got a lot of friends she's close with, but just has a couple folks that it's interesting that this has become such a deep place of church for her. This has become such a rich place where she is able to be transparent and to encourage and to carry the people that she's rolling with. And so she has a home group we're a part of and we're connected with a lot of the leaders in the community. This isn't like a programmed thing. No, this is a place and a few folks where she has just made the decision that these are like my ride or die, and that's what we're to do. 
in our church. It's not always going to look like that, and it's hard to develop friendships. And you may think, oh, I've tried to do that, and it's hard. We keep pressing on because we want to be people who are vulnerable and recognize that it's my job not just to receive, but to do, to encourage And I think some of you need to hear this morning, you've been going around looking for someone to feed you. And the reason why no one is like sort of coming alongside you is because you're not somebody who invests at all in anyone else. You're looking for someone to like help lift you up and care for you, but you got no one you're caring for or thinking for. And people can sense that. Just as a challenge. I think some of us, we just want to consume, 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 and we don't realize the very thing that you want, you usually have to embody. You usually have to, you will draw that in. Culture is formed by what you create and what you neglect. The habits you embody and the habits you neglect. So church this morning, let's be in the habit of loving one another. Let's be in the habit of considering those around us, our kids, our spouses, our friends, the people that are struggling. Let's consider how we can spur one another on to deeper love. Remember, this whole passage begins with this church being told you are loved and rescued and saved and known and have this hope. And so pour that in to the people around you. Will we be formed by the culture of heaven? Will we be formed by the culture of heaven? Will we roll the way that we are supposed to roll together? John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will people know? How will people know? You love how will, they, how will the people around us know of the Lord? You, you, it's the way we love one another. And we can't love one another. We can't love one another if we're not together, if we're not committed to each other, if we don't have the habit of being with each other. So, we're going to close in a moment. But I want to invite you on this homecoming Sunday. I hope it's relatively obvious why I wanted to share this with you. It's because I want to encourage you, and I know it's hard. I know it's strange. I know it's difficult. I know it can be awkward for some of us. Or for some of us, maybe we've been a part of this community and we felt burned or life is busy. But I want to invite you to take a, a step of faith. Join a team. Join a home group. Start a dinner party. One thing I wasn't mentioned is folks that maybe, I, I would love to just gather together with a couple friends and do like a sermon discussion over a dinner. There's a place to do that on that group's page. You can talk about it downstairs. We got a bunch of home groups with some room in it. We've got some home groups finally going further south for those that don't live directly in the city. We need more folks to join and start groups, to create environments. Because we can only do so much here. But over the next couple of weeks, and as we get into some subjects of community, we're gonna be talking more and more and more just about the power of what happens when we just commit to each other, even if just for a season. Sometimes I realize I have to say that, like this, these aren't your forever friends. 
necessarily. But just put yourself out there. We need you to spur one another on. We need you to lift each other up in love. We need you to show up and be in the room to encourage. We need you to put on display. And others, you need others to do that for you. And so as we in a moment head downstairs and grab tacos and hang out or sign up for things, I just, I wanna invite you in this season. I invite you today to say, yeah, I'm gonna be a part of a team. I'm, 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 I wanna set the family culture. Some of you have gifts that we need. So, some of you, you need the gift of serving. You need the gift of getting here at 7.30 in the morning and the gift of moving some chairs around and the gift of being poured into by another leader and the gift of being seen and participating because you have nowhere in your life you're serving and it's killing you. There's nowhere in your life where you are pouring out energy to serve others. And you think you need less things, but you actually need the right things. Those of you who aren't followers of Jesus this morning, what I hope you hear Here's what I hope you hear. Those that maybe have like a, like a, just, I don't know, even just have had a rough time with church in the past. I hope you hear a fumbling group of misfits that is Sanctuary Church, just trying to figure out how to love each other better. To love each other like we've been loved. To love each other like we've been loved. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another, that means sacrificially. That's not vague Christian talk. Jesus loved us by laying down his life. Jesus says there is no greater love than somebody who lays down their life. Guess what every single person in this room who is a follower of Jesus is being invited to do? Lay down their life. Lay it down love sacrificially which love I would argue by its nature is that God is revealing to us this is you want to know why the world will know it's because you're just so nice to each other no it's because you literally are putting on display that kind of love you're considering you're seeing you're blessing you're awake and aware of how we can spur one another on I wasn't planning on doing this, but my friend Lexi's in the front row. Just the other day on her Instagram story, she asked the question, um, what was it? What do, um, what was it? What was the question you just asked? What do you love and what do you not love about yourself? Just ask this question. What do you love or not love? And then she, re, re, like, she uh, reposted some of the answers and some of her responses. All I could think about was two things. One was how this was like spurring me on to see and consider the people in my life in a deeper way. It was spurring me on like, I, I, how, how are people doing? I have a couple of friends immediately that I reached out to. I was being spurred on by her act of going, I'm gonna take up some of my time and some of my space. And I just wanna look out for people who maybe are following me on social media. Small, simple thing. The second thing was I was spurred on and encouraged by watching her, her like gentle Christ-like responses time and time and time again as she's reaching out to people. This just came to me because I'm like, this is the most like simple, like low investment thing. And even that act of sacrificial love and time increased my faith, increased my hope, 
we have an opportunity in front of us to stir up some trouble, stir up some love. And so let us do that. Let us reflect back to our world this love that we have in Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let's close in singing together.